Morning everyone. Here in lockdown I have to hold on by faith and trust that the Lord will continue to instruct us and bring us closer to him. Indeed every situation we find ourselves in is always to bring glory to the Father through his Son. So as we reflect on the work of Jesus I pray that God will work through his Holy Spirit to reveal his Son to us. So if you could open your Bibles and read, read John chapter 14, verses 1 to 18, you'll find that Jesus makes a promise to his believers. Now, there are many criticisms that can be levelled at modern dads. And one I hear time and time again is that dads don't keep their promises. That's awful, isn't it? don't know if that applies to your dad or to you as a dad, but looking back, I'm pretty sure that there are times when I promised something and didn't deliver it, and the impact on our children is not good. But Jesus makes promises that he keeps. And that's good news, isn't it? Well, I love this passage from John chapter 14. I love it with a passion. It was passed on to me by someone who was very dear to me. And just when I was starting to discover what it meant to be a Christian, and it stayed with me as a foundational text for all situations and seasons. The disciples were uneasy. Jesus had hosted the Passover celebration in the upper room in Jerusalem and he'd taken the, the unusual step of washing the disciples' feet, each one in turn. His posture to them, to each one, is one of deep love, deep, humble love, deep, passionate love and he talks to them about how that love if it's shared out and passed around and it becomes the currency of their relationships it will enable people to see who they are people will know that uh, they are his disciples if they have love for one another and that love is demonstrated very practically in the foot washing and Jesus is also saying a kind of could uh, he's saying a kind of goodbye to the disciples and they start to pick this up Peter notably makes his declaration that he will not leave Jesus at which point Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him three times before the cock crows but you can't help feeling that everyone in the room is uneasy Probably in that way that children sometimes become uneasy before parents make a big change. A house move, for example. So, this demonstration of love and this uneasiness is there before Jesus' great promises in John 14. And So, his message is, don't be uneasy. Believe and you will be sustained and empowered. Glory to God in these times. Glory to God that we can 
draw strength from his words. So we're going to look at Jesus' command for us to believe and Jesus' promise of the counsellor. His command that we believe and his promise of a counsellor. I think that Disney has done a lot to damage our idea of what it is to believe. If you think about that old film Peter Pan, the children are told they have to believe in fairies to give them life. Tinkerbell will come alive if they believe. It's a nice notion. And I wish I could apply it to money or to marshmallows, but I can't make either of them fall out of the sky simply by believing that they will. In another Disneyfied idea about belief, a child is encouraged to believe that a deceased relative is there when things are tough. But that's really just consolation, isn't it? Maybe the memory remains of people who've died. But there is no... Jack Frost and there is no Mufasa. In times of difficulties we face them alone if we don't have the Lord Jesus. He has gone before and because he's the one who is alive forevermore he's the only one who's there in those tough times. Now I know that the imagination is very powerful and I think we can create realities for ourselves if you think about the ritual of the tea ceremony, in that the tea drinker goes so deeply into the imagination that he or she can actually taste the tea they're pretending to drink. But that same person will die of thirst if imaginary tea is all they have to drink in life, won't they? Again, this idea of belief is very important, isn't it? So what's Jesus really saying about believing? Well, firstly, he's reminding the disciples that they need to be strong-minded. Your heart must not be troubled, he says in verse 1 of chapter 14 in uh, the Holman version of the Bible. This comment's strongly worded. It's a command. Other versions say, let not your heart be troubled. And the let not really has the same force of command. However, and this is important, Jesus' tone, even though it's commanding, it's extremely gentle. And because he took, continues on and he talks about love and the comforter and I will not leave you as orphans, we can hear a gentle music of consolation and gentleness in his, in his words. And so our strength of mind can come from the reassurance of his own father heart towards his disciples and towards us today. So if I'm to believe as Jesus wants me to, I can believe from a place of assurance. And that his command to me is meant as a continued theme in a life that might sometimes be troubled. Believe, he says. Secondly, belief needs to be based on the eternal everlasting partnership of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. We call this the Trinity. Now, 
I'm taking a deep breath when I start to explain the Trinity because there are so many ways to be misunderstood. The best way to have a right view of the Trinity is really to build a picture of what this means in the whole of the scriptures. So, well, that's your homework. Read the whole scriptures, the whole of the scriptures, beginning to end. And uh, as you go through, figure out what you're being taught about the Trinity. Um, if you don't quite have time to do that as homework this week, please just uh, put up with my explanation the, the best you can. I really want to persuade you that Jesus wants his disciples to believe because their belief will be in a three-person God, a Godhead, a tri-unity, a trinity. So Jesus says, for example, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus had constant fights with the Pharisees who wanted to challenge his authority to speak and to act. But his authority comes from his being within the heavenly partnership of the Trinity. Think about it. An ambassador is employed by a government to be the voice of that government in another nation. And an ambassador doesn't decide policy. An ambassador doesn't make the big decisions. An ambassador represents and that's all. But Jesus speaks on behalf of God as a partner with God. In verse 9 he says, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. And in verse 11, I am in the Father and the Father is in me.